Hear that? That's the sound of a patient whose health data is protected from a cyber attack. And that, that's the sound of a financial system that's digitally secured from bad actors. Right now, there's an invisible war being fought on a digital battlefield that impacts what we do every day. That's why at Paraton, we do the can't be done to help protect the vital systems we rely on. Because if we don't, the alternative is unimaginable. Paraton. The guest has arrived. The host is prepped and ready. Ladies and gentlemen, this is one-on-one -on -one with Bill Alexander. Hi, everyone. Yours truly, William Eric Alexander. All my friends call me Bill, and you're on one-on-one -on -one with Bill Alexander. Really looking forward today because we're talking about the days of WIBG Radio in Philadelphia. And today... As I, as I pull out my, my uh, let's see, here it is. So I have my WIBG uh, album. And if you look right here, there is, let's see, there it is. There's who I'm speaking to today. Ray Gilmore is who's on the uh, line with me today. And let's say hi to Ray. Hi, Ray, how are you doing? I'm doing sensational. I'm, uh, as I said earlier, I'm upright and uh, I'm vertical and breathing. And look, you, I have one of these. Look, yes, you do. Look, <laughs> but, but wait a minute. Not only I just you... validated myself. Yes, I was <laughs> on the radio. Not only, uh, not only are you Ray Gilmore, but you're also Sean, Sean Casey. Casey. Yeah. Yeah. They changed my name when I went to New York. Uh, they didn't think Raymond uh, was a good radio name. <laughs> Or Gilmore. I like it. <laughs> I do too. Uh, but, uh, and my parents apparently did. <laughs> that's what they named me. Uh, uh, anyway, they didn't think it was Irish enough, politically uh, acceptable okay. uh, for New York City at the time. And what they did, they had a, uh, they had a little contest uh, around the office. And uh, one of the secretaries said, you know, I'm really into Sean O'Casey, the uh, poet. And, uh, and they, oh, yeah, we'd like, well, let's drop the O and just call him Sean Casey. And I said, as long as the check's clear, we're good, you know? <laughs> and that so was, how, how hard was it to get used to a new name? That was difficult. It was. I've, I screwed up a few times, you know? <laughs> You're on the air and all of a sudden, just, just like if you say the wrong call letters from the station right. you were three years ago, you know, it, it, it just comes out once in a while. Uh, I, you know, I lived in uh, Bergen County, New Jersey, uh, in Englewood, and I would drive over to the city, uh, New York City, every night to do the show. And when I'd go over, as I, I, I left New Jersey, and I was Ray Gilmore, but I'd cross the George Washington Bridge, and halfway across the bridge, all of a sudden, I, I don't know what it is, what it was. <laughs> But all of a sudden, I was Sean Casey, and I had a whole new demeanor about myself. And I didn't know how it was happening, why it was happening. But I swear, I felt a difference. And I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm going back, and I'm looking at stuff. And you and I have talked about this before, because I also have my uh, spokesman album here oh, yeah. that, uh, that I have. And you're also in the center of that. But... The thing is, when you started in radio, was radio your first passion or was it actually writing music? I had no passion. 
I had no idea when I got out of high school where I was going, what I was going to do. I had no plan, no strategy. Um, all I remember is my parents being very disappointed when uh, I was accepted at LaSalle College and I decided instead to go to a broadcasting uh, drama school instead. And uh, from that point on, it just uh, was one step at a time. And I just would go with the flow. Would, I mean, it was all luck. It was all God, whoever, however. But uh, like I said, I've never made a plan. I've never had a strategy to say, I want to be in the biggest market in the world. I want right. to go here that city. But it just... As things happened, I just uh, took advantage of the uh, opportunity. And I'm so grateful with all the opportunities that I was afforded. So when you were at uh, Wibbage in Philadelphia, what years were you there? You know, I was just before talking to you and you had mentioned that we might be talking about Wibbage. Uh, I was trying to figure out when I was there. I mean, I know I was there. <laughs> in the 60s and again in the 70s. I was there twice. Once as Ray Gilmore and once as Sean Casey. Okay. Ray Gilmore was the early 60s and I was there with, uh, I was one of the Wibbage good guys with uh, Bill Wright and Joe Niagara Highlit, that whole gang. Um, and then, uh, and that was, you know, free for all time on the radio. Uh, I mean, it, it was more like uh, Doug Blue Zone all the time. I mean, that that kind of personality and, and you could have such a good time when, you know, and then uh, I'd gone to New York and then came back from New York to Philadelphia. Don Cannon of Wibbage uh, at the time in the 70s brought me back and I was doing afternoon drive there and that was on. Oh, no. Wait a minute. Yeah, that. OK, I, I missed the whole spot. I, I jumped the whole uh, area. I was there in the early 60s, and then later when Paul Drew came in and turned it into uh, a Bill Drake format, which I think Paul stole, uh, stole. Oh, I didn't say that. No, that, that couldn't have happened. I, if, and if you've got the lawsuit ready to go, um, yeah. uh -huh. I apologize. <laughs> no, but it was a similar uh, for, format. And it was just bang, 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 bang. Uh, personality, but in six seconds. If you couldn't say it over six seconds in the uh, over the intro of the song, that was it. Otherwise, prior to that, with Highlight, Joe Niagara, and the early success of Wibbage, uh, we were all personality, all, you know, you play a record, you talk about it for 30 seconds, and you, you go on, right. or, you know, go on and on. And sometimes it's like, uh, why am I talking? I should be playing the music. That's why they're here. <laughs> right. So, yeah. so I think it's interesting because you were, so you were at Wibbage and you were up against a Drake station, WFIL, correct? No, you were there. We were, the, we were the Drake station pretty much. Oh, you were the Drake station before. Well, it wasn't the Drake station in Philadelphia. I don't okay. think FIL was a, a Drake station, but it was more of a Drake formatted station. Uh, obviously, I think was it was a Jay Clark, I think, was the uh, PD at the time. OK, uh, the, the only reason I say that WFIL was a Drake is because I was working with someone um, about a year ago who decided they were going to, to try to recreate the Drake format. 
-hmm. And unfortunately, they're not doing a very good job of it. And he worked at WFIL briefly when they when he said they were Drake. So it could have been Drake like is what he meant. But have you heard any of these stations that are trying to recreate that sound of the 60s and early 70s on the Internet? On the internet? No, because I haven't spent much time on the internet. <laughs> okay. Radio. I, or radio at all, to tell you the truth. Uh, you know, one of the few stations I listen to is uh, Hall of Fame, you guys. You right. Know, uh, that, that's pretty much it. I, you know, I jump around once in a while and say, uh, well, you know, it's just somebody putting a bunch of songs together from, from back in the day. Because I know when I talk to Doug about it, because I'm, I'm actually helping Doug with some of it right now, is that he looks at the Drake format and he said that in today's society, it's really difficult to have people be able to follow it, not only follow it, but to be able to have the jocks do it because it is so quick. It is so fast. Yeah, I mean, uh, my my wife, because of that uh, education, that that experience with Drake and that 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 clock that you had to be yeah right on right on point every time she my nickname is the time master every what <laughs> <laughs> i'm late for dinner so what right. mr time master why are you bugging you know yeah so do you think that it was uh, it was actually indicative of the time or do you think someone could come up with that format today and it would work I don't know. Does anybody have that format today? Not that I know, other than other than the ones trying to recreate on the radio. But the problem is, and this is what I'm noticing, I come out, I came out of radio in the 80s, grew up listening to it in the 70s. Mm -hmm. I started in the 80s, and in the 80s, we were taught how to talk too much. And we would talk, and then we would talk over the song, and then we would talk when we came out of the song, and it was just a bunch of useless chatter. And when I would listen to your air checks, even at WOR, you were straight into the point. There was no random conversation going on. Right. And it's taking me a long time. I don't know if you've listened to my program on Hall of Fame from noon until three is trying to get that bang, 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 bang. And because I think that's the way it should sound. And I enjoy doing it that way because it's much quicker. It's a faster pace type of format. As long as you sound like you're having fun and a good time while you're doing that, that's what it's all about. And, and to be able to do, have a good time in six seconds or less or right. whatever time frame is over uh, talking over the intro of a song, but not the lyrics. God forbid right. you <laughs> step on a vocal. I remember one time, one, one time I was doing a, a show with Paul Drew in this format and uh when I first started doing that, I was actually doing the all night show and it was four o'clock in the morning and I stepped on a vocal. My God, the phone rang, the hotline. And he <laughs> reamed me good. <laughs> Something like that. And, and you figure, uh oh, my job's on the line. So we better get it right. <laughs> How many people are listening at 4 a.m. though? Oh, yeah, they were an awful yeah. lot of people. And see, that's amazing because with the internet coming into play now and everybody's getting, I mean, the audience is so segmented that you, it's very difficult to figure out who's listening to who. 
and and who's and what they're listening to let alone are they listening to terrestrial radio are they listening to satellite radio are they listening to internet radio are they listening to spotify whatever it may be there's just so many more alternatives out there today than there was when you were on the air do you think that would have changed the way you did things if we if you had all these things competing against you i would stick with uh the drake uh format okay uh, just i just think uh because and you know who else did that and he's my uh my idol he was he's he was my oh god dan ingram he was yeah. so entertaining at abc over over the intros uh so he sounded like he, he was a part of the community a part of the music and just having a good time and he was a Wise guy, <laughs> but <laughs> the attitude worked with the music. Right. You know. So do you think if someone gave you the opportunity to do it again, you would try? Oh, me personally? Yeah, you personally. If I had a different life at this moment right now, okay. I, I, I've got some uh, health issues, not myself, but in the family that I have right. to deal with. And basically I'm a caretaker. So uh, I, I just don't have the time. I've, I've had several opportunities to do that. Uh, I've got a friend that owns a couple of radio stations in Maine. I've got a friend in Vermont with a radio station. Uh, I've got a, one here in, uh, in New England that has a radio station and they'd love me and I, I'd love to do it. But I just, you know, I just can't find it. Family first, unfortunately. Right, I understand. I couldn't say unfortunately, but you know, because of my circumstances. So what, when did you actually get out of radio? When did you leave? 2008. 2008. 2008. And yeah. what station were you on at the time in 2008? WHDH in, in Boston. Okay. Yeah. And when you, when you went. I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wrong. No, I was WPLM FM. In, okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. From HDH, you went to PLM. Well, Okay. Yeah. And I was the program director and nice. And what happened was it was my 67th birthday. Uh, at the, and I was saying six, seven, that seven kept ringing in my head. And I said, my God, what am I still doing working at 67? <laughs> so I started preparing at that point, you know, to uh, bail out and do something else. And that's when I spent more time uh, with music. Okay. So you were 67 when you started thinking about retirement. Yeah. Yeah. And right now, maybe. <laughs> Holy, no, there is no way you're 80 years old. Yeah, well, I am. <laughs> it's, that, that is just downright amazing because you don't look, you do not look it. Because I was just doing the math right here going, wait a minute. I can't, something must be wrong with my addition here because there's no way. So, when you left in 08, when you left the station in Boston, was the music the same or did formats change on you? Were you able to adapt to different formats? Well, I didn't have to. I, I don't quite understand when I left. Okay. Were you I always didn't... playing the, the same type of music you were playing at Wibbage and WOR? I, I was playing the same music from 1960 at some point. <laughs> In every format, just okay. about, you know, uh, but no, uh, at PLM, 
we were more uh, the uh, current, definitely okay. the current music. Uh, but we'd throw in it. We had some uh, other. Uh, we had Ron Del Chiesa, and he does Sinatra mm -hmm. the show on on uh, on the weekends. And uh, we had a couple of other programs too that uh, didn't fit the format. I thought, but they made money. And you know, when you go into uh, <laughs> try to make your point and your argument about uh, to the general manager that uh, well, this doesn't really fit. He said, "Yeah, but look at how much money it made." Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you got yeah, it. I in the in the late 90s early 2000 i did a brief stint as a program director for a small am in this area and we had a polka show and i thought polka music was dead the same thing happened to me going that's the biggest ad the biggest money maker we have in the station and the owner said if he could do it he'd play polka 24 7 because yep. people were listening to it yeah that's so. the, the dollar rules <laughs> Yeah. And, th and, th and sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes that's sometimes that's a bad thing, in my opinion, because um, when you when you look at it, a lot of station owners out there are not worried about what they're putting on the air. They're worried about what money they're able to make. Absolutely. That's why they're there. That's why they're in that business. And that's why it's and, called a business. Yeah. And when I was working at the one station that I've been to been at three times, um, I was first on the air and the owner of the station was in his mid eighties when they hired me. Cause he would, they went on the air in 1927 and he still had controlling interest of the station when I started there. in what was it? 2000? No, it would have been 1990, 1991. And I asked him, I said, why aren't you playing this? He said, honestly, if I could get away with playing, having dead air between the commercials, that's what I would do because then I wouldn't have to pay you guys to be here. Yeah. So again, it is really interesting because when you talk to these people and I remember going to school and learning how to do this and everything else, we thought we were doing it for the entertainment value and the information. And it was a rude awakening to us when we realized that's not what we're there for. We're there to make someone else money. Yeah. We're there for our egos and yeah, well, that too. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and again, I think it's kind of interesting to, to, to be able to talk to you about this because it gives me a different perspective of what it was like in those early days. Because like I said, I was at the end of uh, these big buyouts that happened and everything that we started to see where radio was bought up by conglomerates instead of small groups that owned them at the time. So of the stations you worked with, Wibbage, WOR, do you have a favorite where you were at? You know, it, at the time, where, wherever I was at that time, that would have been my favorite and is my favorite. Okay. Uh, if I go back, because th this is, like I said, I never had a plan, a strategy for my life. And all of a sudden I fell into this radio thing and music and I just love music and I love creating. So uh, where I where I was at a particular time was always my favorite. Uh, every one of them. It was a little difficult on the transition from Wibbage having a wonderful time doing whatever you wanted in between the songs, and then going to the Drake format right. where it's so strict and disciplined. 
and I guess that's the, that's the uh, optimal word, the, the, the strictness and the, and the discipline of it. That's the hardest part to get used to. But once you get used to it and you fall into it and it becomes comfortable for you, then it, it just flows and, and it worked for me. So you, you said your, your parents weren't too happy that you went into this line of work. Did they change their mind when you got your first paycheck? You betcha. <laughs> <laughs> Not only that, but for such, since I'm a Philadelphia boy, you know, yeah. born and raised in South Philly, uh, all of a sudden the name Gilmore was on the number one radio station. And all of a sudden it became a little... Yeah, a little famous, you know. Okay, you know? okay, that, and again, that, that's that's one of those questions: is, is if the if the uh, fame rubbed off on people that you were related to, and if they liked that adoration right. that they were getting. Yeah, the the fame part of it. Uh, yeah, my ego loved every second of it. <laughs> Do you miss it? <sighs> Sometimes, but not really. I don't think about it much anymore. Again, I, I try to spend more time creating music and okay. writing songs, uh, producing, putting that all together. And then there's the marketing aspect of it. <laughs> it's, right. It's a, it's a dead end right now, but I'm, well, I'm still trying. And there's so many more, just like radio, you have so many uh, opportunities and outlets like your, your podcast and your radio and your, wherever. But with, with uh, the music you've got, uh, as an artist, you've got TikTok, you've got Instagram, yep. you've got Facebook and all. But trying to navigate all through that and with that to get a hit record, I it hasn't worked for me, but I know I'm not doing it right. And I really need help there. Uh, right. But there are other independent artists who are doing that every day and they're making a fortune and getting a lot of uh, play. I, I think it's interesting because you're 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 actually and and again you're 80, and you've seen the transition into the the media that we're dealing with right now. If I would have told you when you started in the 1960s that this is where it was going to go, would you have actually seen what's happening now being possible? I wouldn't even entered my mind. Uh, I was in the moment all the time. I was never looking to the future. Mm -hmm. Again, that's part of my non-strategy strategy. strategy. Live, for the, well. <laughs> live for the moment and make the best of it and do the best you can. So you've been talking about your music and what you've done. Now, again, I showed the, uh, the, the Spokesman album and you were signed to DECA Records. How many albums did you, or how many albums do you do for DECA? Well, we did one album. Uh, we okay. had one one hit song with them, but and that uh, that turned into the album, uh, and we had a couple of other singles after that that didn't do as well. Uh, uh, but we did have one. We actually did uh, the Beatles' Michelle, and uh, that was very big in Philadelphia, uh, but never went anywhere after that. In fact, John Madera, one of the spokesmen, uh, <laughs> ran into Paul McCartney once in London, and said, "Hey." Paul, you know, we did one of your songs. Isn't that uh -huh. great? And he just turned his back on him and walked away. <laughs> like, I think you'd be thrilled. You know, somebody else right. could make money for you, for God's sake. Right. <laughs> so as you, as you said, you're doing the music now. If, 
if radio wouldn't have been part of your life, do you think you would have been writing and performing music more than you did? Uh, hmm. I think it, uh, it it's all of part of me, just music itself. Somewhere, somehow, I've I've always I've always wanted to be involved with and have been involved with some aspect of music and to be able to program a radio station right <laughs> and and determine you know who gets to listen to certain i mean that's uh, quite a responsibility and i'd love that aspect of it and i think i've got great ears I've... <laughs> well what what what, it, what what amazes me and this and, and when i talk to guys like you that had the opportunity of doing that i'm jealous because i did have the opportunity to briefly but mine was a station that was on the AM dial when AM radio was pretty much becoming obsolete at the time before it went into the whole talk radio thing and the bartered radio programming. And we did it. We did well in the, we were number one in where we're at, which wasn't too hard because there was only two stations and we were able to put push into the Pittsburgh market, which was next to unheard of at the time. But I just to be able to work on a station like Wibbage or WOR or wherever and being able to say, hey, I had the ear. I'm making these people money. I'm making them recognizable to the average public. That must have been a lot of a lot of pride and pressure at the same time. Uh, both. You're correct. <laughs> Was yeah. the pride and the pressure. And uh, I enjoyed every minute of it. And um I mean, I, I don't know what to say about that uh, other than the two words that you use there. Yeah, yeah there were always pressure. Uh, you know, the GM would come to you and, uh, okay, I didn't, we got, it's when something happens on the air and callers start to complain, it goes to the GM and then to the PD and then to the individual who created right. that, that issue. Uh, so there there's pressure there and when ratings would fall a little bit okay let's get together how are we going to straighten this out we got to get it back um that was the pressure and, and the pride was when the, the numbers came in and your station was doing extremely well and making everybody money I'm like whoa how did how did this happen to me and i still say that today right when I look back I, say, I was on the number one station in the number one market in the world how did i get there i'm this, yeah. this street kid from south philly how did that happen but it happened and, and, uh, and again and again it, it it is when you think about it that way it is kind of awe, awe inspiring that it was able to happen so with the music you're writing right now and the the uh the new one that you did um I only remember Tom Brady. I may be 80. I'm no Tom Brady. I knew I'd remember it. And that song there, what, I mean, was the inspiration is because you were 80? Yep. And that's why? Absolutely. I said, oh my God, I'm 80. I, I don't believe that. And, but, and Tom Brady has been such a part of my life because I'm a New England guy and have been yeah. for what the last almost 50 years. Uh, he's been such a thrill to me. He's, he's made my Sundays, a lot of them. Uh, and he's entertained me for a long time. But, but all of a sudden, it, it was like, 80, Brady, 
hey, that kind of like rhymes. Let uh -huh. me see if I can. But now 80, how do you make that work? Well, I know that Tom Brady is like the GOAT. Okay, the greatest of all time. Well, I'm, I'm not quite there, but I still feel like uh, I, f I may be 80 but, and no Tom Brady, but I still, my pants still like to dance. You know, I, I still feel good. I, I enjoy music and, and life. And uh, so, and, and then how do I do that? Well, let's see. Uh, over the, where do I start? Well, I, I didn't even go back all the way because in 1941, when I was born, we're, that was World War II. I didn't go back that far. Right. How do you compress uh, all those years and everything that has happened uh, in my lifetime uh, in almost a century, how do you compress that into a song? So I just took pieces and mm -hmm. put them together and hopefully it, it covered most of the career anyway. So when you write your music, are you just writing the lyrics or are you also writing the music, music behind it? I cannot write a, a note of music, Okay, but I have an ear uh -huh. and I have a voice so I can create Right. A melody, uh, and I create the words first. I know a lot of writers go with the music first and they try to do the, uh, uh, the lyrics later, but I do lyrics first and then I try to work it around. I, I just keep going over and over in my head, you know, oh, that'll work. You know, it, I just, it just comes to me somehow. So who's playing the music tracks for you? Who's playing them? Yeah, because the, the, the music itself but that you're singing to. Oh, okay. Uh, I work with a group. Uh, it's an internet group. Okay. Uh, it's called, they're called Studio Pros. And you find them on the internet under Studio Pros. And uh, they are a group of uh, LA musicians. They're all pros. And they play a lot of uh, the hit hit um so the, you, you'll probably hear them on but you wouldn't be able to identify each individual right. one. they're all on uh, many hit records and also there's a uh, grammy nominated engineer uh, as a part of that group i call them with an idea and they say okay send it to me and i just uh will email it uh my words and my music that I uh, pound out on, on the computer with a microphone I have here in the basement. And uh, I say, okay, let's, this is the basic. Now I want that kind of tempo. I want strings. I want horns. I want the drums to do this, piano, guitars. And they put that all together and then we mix it together. And that's uh, the, the final product. So when, because whenever you mention that group, it thinks to me of a 2021, 20, 2021 version of the Wrecking Crew, but um, where they were studio musicians that were doing stuff like that, um, mm -hmm. except they were doing it with people live in studio, but you're able to record everything in your home and then send it to them. I send it to them and then they, they lay down a track and then they send it back to me. Okay. For approval. I say, okay, I like what we did there with the drums. Now let's see what we can come up with with the piano. Take them up with the piano. They send it back to me. Okay, okay. Well, maybe if the piano did such and such, it's okay, we'll change that. And we just, everything's a la carte. And okay. you pay for everything a la carte. 
So how many songs have you written overall in the last over years? Oh, eight years. Well, let's eight go back. Years. Oh, okay. Probably about 80 songs. Uh, and I've only had full production of maybe, mm, oh, including the spokesman, because uh, I wrote and sang on those. Uh, so spokesman albums, maybe 25, 30, you know, full production. Um, today, I know everything is about getting this, the music on the internet and people listening to it on iTunes and all these other outlets. But what was that feeling whenever you saw your music on an album, on a piece of vinyl that they had your name, they had the cover, no the liner notes and all this, and then playing on one of the stations you worked at. How did that, how did you react to that? I was ecstatic hearing it on the radio. I mean, seeing it in print was one thing. Uh, okay. But when, when I heard it on the radio, it was like goosebumps all over my body. <laughs> so when you did it, did you actually get to announce your own song or was it played on someone else's shift? Other, other shifts. Yeah. It, okay. Not, no, they, they wouldn't. Why wouldn't they let you do it? I find that interesting. I guess don't want the appearance of conflict. Like, wait a minute. I'm the what same conflict? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, because it, it was really, you were in Philadelphia when that was released, weren't you? Yes. Yes. I okay, was working so, at YBG at the time. So how did it hit locally on the Philadelphia chart? Um, did, did it get a ranking or a number ranking? I, I don't recall, but uh, I know nationally we went to uh, the Dawn of Correction. I think it was in the 20s was the highest it ever got. It was on um, Billboard and Cashbox. I think it was higher on Cashbox than on Billboard. But I remember, I think, somewhere in the 20s, which was like, wow, that's just amazing, you know, really. But the people that I, I worked with and, and the other spokesmen, I mean, there's terribly talented guys john right there david white my god i mean they they had leslie gore you don't own me uh they wrote produced that uh len barry's number one one two three um danny and the juniors that was dave white and john madera and and danny uh uh dave white was the tenor of danny and the juniors oh i didn't uh, know that yeah so, I mean, these guys were in the business and in music and knew what was going on and how to get things done. And so I was, uh, oh, don't go away. Go away, telephone. <laughs> Spam so, call. Thank you. Mm. So, so the interesting thing is, so how did the three of you get connected together to you know, do that? I, I'm not sure. Well, that particular album, I know how that happened. But just to get together, I'm not sure. I used to, for somehow found myself in their building uh and they they worked in the uh, schubert building which is a theater in in philadelphia and in there were people like gamble and huff doing uh doing music and uh, it's almost like the brill building in in new okay. york uh but uh, it was philadelphia's answer to uh, the brill building and uh that's where they would uh, hang out and create 
and uh, somehow I wound up over there and I don't really, I can't remember. I, I keep trying to figure out how did we ever get together, but it happened anyway. Uh, but with Donna Correction, I was on the air when the uh, Eve of Destruction was released, right. Barry McGuire, and I said, wow, that's powerful. It's so negative. And I'm really a very positive person. And somehow I said, you know, there's got to be a way. And I think, ah, Eve of the, how about the Dawn of Correction? And that, within the, a couple of days, we were in my house in South Philly, the three of us, up all night long and we we wrote the song and then we looked at each other and said oh this has to get out quick because the other one's already almost number one and right. if we're going to answer this thing we we have to move fast we don't have any groups in the building that we know okay we'll be the spokesman <laughs> and we decided to go in and do it ourselves and then when it became popular and Decca wanted an album then we had to put the whole package together. So we wrote a whole bunch of songs. So did you ever meet Barry McGuire? No, I didn't. No, I didn't. But somebody introduced me to him. Uh, who was it? Uh, not in person. Was it Uzette? Uh, oh, really? I think and told, told me about something uh, that she was involved in that, that had something to do with Barry McGuire. Uh, anyway. I no, I never met the man, but uh, I, I, I think it would be interesting to, to, to find out what his reaction was when he heard someone answer the song. Probably the same as David Crosby. David Crosby, Crosby, Stills, Nash at the time, we were doing TV shows promoting the, the album out yeah. in, in California. And I forget what show it was. Uh, we did Shindig. That was national. And then we did a ton of uh, local TV shows. And one of them, one of the other guests was Crosby, Stills and Nash. They did theirs. And then we came on and we did our, our song, The Dawn of Correction. And David Crosby walks over to me and he goes, you really believe all that crap? <laughs> uh, well, David, <laughs> I want to tell you. Somebody likes it because it's got some numbers on the charts. Obviously right. not as many as yours, but you know, don't want to start an argument with Mr. Mr. Crosby. <laughs> so you were on Shindig then? Yeah, we did Shindig. That was I fun. had the opportunity a while ago to interview the female performer that was on Shindig pretty much every week by the name of Donna Lauren, who also had a, a music career, except she was doing the California sound at the time. And mm -hmm. she was also the Dr. Pepper girl. So that's interesting. With the name, I remember that. Yeah. But uh, but again, I, I find that interesting that a guy, a, a kid from South Philly, they take him to California to promote an album and you do this. Did you think this was going to be your next step? You were getting out of radio. You were going straight into music. No, but that would have been nice. <laughs> well, Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but no, I, I never give it any, gave it any thought really. Again, uh, no plans, no strategies. I took what came to me and did the best I could with it, whether it was an idea, a career move, whatever, you know, uh, no plans. 
so we we talked about your most recent one. Um, you did the other one, uh, but I guess it's been about a year and a half now dealing with COVID. Yeah, is, what is next? Growing. What is the next one that you're going to do? Do you have any idea? Oh, I know exactly what it is, but I, I can't do it yet because I it's it's so personal. Okay. Uh, and it has to do with uh, the situation I'm going through with uh, the health issues in the family. Okay. And as long as they're breathing, I can't really. <laughs> I understand. I, I can't do that. Okay. Um, so you, you said that, that you're, you're able to do the music, you're doing everything else, but you're having problems with the marketing. Is that what is, you're, yeah, you're just not getting it out there? Yeah. Up against the wall. Uh, trying to, you know, I, the only thing I really have is uh, LinkedIn. And whenever I go to LinkedIn, I scour, you know, anybody who's a program director or any, anyone has anything with, uh, to do with radio. And I send them, I try to get their contact number and some of them don't even give their emails, but I'll send their, an email of my right. stuff and say, you know, you know, I certainly would appreciate a consideration of giving this a listen and maybe some, uh, some air times, if you can spare some air for this uh, independent artist, uh, would appreciate it. Have you gotten positive response by doing that? At times, yeah, I've gotten a, a few, uh, and and most of them have been people with podcasts, as oh, opposed. Well, <laughs> which, from what they're telling me, that's the new way to go because people are getting tired of corporate radio because it sounds the same in day in and day out. I'm surprised the song hasn't, because of the Tom Brady aspect. Now, I know there's bad feelings in Boston still because he went to Tampa Bay, but those areas didn't pick up the song because there I thought there would be. At least there's a connection. That's what I felt felt as well. I, uh, I got a whole list of uh, local DJs uh, and got their emails. I sent them all an individual copy. Zero. And the one that really bothers me is the the guy. Well, two two local stations, one that it was that I left that I retired from. Uh, they certainly could have aired that, right? And another one that I've done work for in the past, uh, uh, I sent it to them as well in every one of their disc jockeys, along with the program director, and got zero response. And that's also a station that is tried to get me to come back to uh, be on the air again. Uh, maybe that's their way of saying. <laughs> I, I find that I, I kind of find that odd, but is it, do you think it's because the program director, it, it's because they don't do independent artists that they're, everything's coming down from a corporate headquarters and the, the name program director, is this just a, a, a title? That pretty much. I mean, wh what do we have anymore? Uh, what, three, maybe four uh, large corporations that own everything. Right. Yeah. So if you got one person sitting here and they're saying, okay, you in, in San Francisco will do that and Philadelphia that, Boston here, New York there. And even the same announcers, you know, same guy doing every market. You know, it's all come together under one umbrella. So have, and, and you, you mentioned that the one guy in every market, have you voice tracked before? Uh, yeah. Yes, I have. Yeah, I did. That. What is, your, what are your thoughts on it? Cause I've heard people go different directions with it. 
Well, I, what I did was uh, I just was myself. I had a good time. And and, and it was more of a, uh, a Drake format. And it was an oldies format, by the way. Okay. Because yeah. I was, was just curious, because I've talked to some and said, no, 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 you have to do it live. You have to do it live. And then the other ones that, that like the voice track, I hate to say it because I voice track and I was against it 100%. Until I talked to Doug and Doug talked me into it, basically. And I said, <laughs> sure, I'll try it. I fell in love with it because it, it, it gives you a little bit more. You don't have to worry about what's coming up next. You don't have to worry about that. You can just focus on what you have to do. What, what, you, what you have to do, what you have to say or about yourself or the, what's yeah. going on in the world or the music itself. Um, uh, the one thing that always I always worried me about that was it's all done on the internet, right? Stuff goes wrong, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Knock oh, on it, wood, no. it's more reliable than you think, which amazes me. I mean, your computer goes down, or you know, the internet goes down, or you have storms, and you know. It, uh, it, 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 bad signal from whoever uh you know it it is a, 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 a and for those of you that are, are listening and watching this um <laughs> we're giving away all these secrets but the thing i find interesting about it is that the way my setup is here i honestly sound like i'm in a studio in the studio wherever master headquarters is which is amazing to me Oh, yeah. Because yeah. to me, I always thought it would have sounded hollow or it would have sounded a little bit tinny. But no, it sounds like I'm there, which is yep. amazing. Um, Absolutely. There's a lot. The presence is is very obvious. Yeah. So, again, it, it's just the technology has moved so far and so fast. And I don't know if pop if the population or the general population has caught up with it yet. But I think that for people introducing new music like yourself, the way to go is through online stations or through uh, podcasts or whatever it may be, because the corporations aren't giving anybody a chance like they did 60 years ago. Unless you're Sony or universal and, yeah. uh, <laughs> and the big bucks are coming your way. Cause I talked to, I talked to a gentleman a while back who's also from uh, Philadelphia, the guy's name is Fabian, um, who's actually I talk to on a regular basis because he doesn't really? live far from me now. Yeah. Fabian, uh, my God, uh, we we played so much of his music, you know, <laughs> Tiger, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, he's a I think he's South Philly as well. Yes. Not just Philadelphia, but South Philly. Yeah. I mean, we had Bobby Rydell, Fabian, Frankie Avalon. Mario Which Lanza. is interesting. Those three guys are still performing. Yeah. And they call themselves the Golden Boys. But Fabian actually moved back to, he's about 25 miles from where I'm sitting right now because of his wife, which I know her. And that's how I met up with him. But I was talking to him about a year ago. He came out with a new version of Tiger. <laughs> which was for the wildlife foundation for the, the saving of tigers, whatever it was, because it was his way of answering to that, that Netflix series called tiger King, who he thought he was, they were just treating the animals cruelty. And he said the same thing. He says, I can't get anybody to play it. 
Yep. And he says it's a new it's a new mix. It's a little bit of an updated one. He said, but you would think that because of me having some type of reputation in the past that someone would have enough courage to put on the air, even these oldie stations, and they weren't doing it. Yeah. And that's that's the situation with with Brady on the two local stations here in we're in the Boston area uh, that. OK, Tom Brady. By the way, and I call the presentations are all created by the Sean Casey experiment. Okay, Sean Casey has some meaning in New England. Right. Uh, and why those two things wouldn't resonate with an audience one way or another, at least there'd be some familiarity, there's some meaning there. Uh, it's beyond me. Did you ever think of trying to get it to Tom Brady? Uh, I've on Facebook. Well, I just joined the Tom Brady, uh, group and okay. I keep putting it in. Maybe somebody <laughs> in that group will somehow get it to him. But yeah, I've tried, but you know, or Gronk, you know, <laughs> um, yeah, actually do I, I think I may know someone it's connected with Gronk because actually Gronk actually went to school in Pittsburgh his last two years of high school. So I'll, I'll reach out to them and see if we can do something, but again, please? <laughs> yeah, I, Hey, I I've been trying everybody I've talked to. There's another musician I've talked to. Who's also an actress and we were going back and forth and she's run into the same problem that, she, that you have. Now you have a, a definite sound. Hers is a little bit more of the experimental side and there's no one out there in terrestrial radio that plays what she does. So she's running into the same type of problem where they don't want to risk it because it's not a sure thing. I have uh, mentioned uh, to a couple of folks in radio and programming positions that, you know, wouldn't it be a good idea to just have D, what is it, DYI, folks just independent music all the time now there's a couple of uh internet uh programs that do that uh -huh. but on on you know terrestrial radio to have that as well one person does it that i know of in the boston market and that's on one of the stations that won't play my music and uh, that i actually worked for quite a while that's ago and wants me to come back but they have one section in the evening one night a week where they only play local independent artists you would think <laughs> that's right you're local so, okay the question is have they played the smokesman before and do they if they have do they realize go. who it is sure they yeah they very well they know who i am yeah. And, th and that that to me that's just amazing another thing to to look at and i never thought of this before is is there are college radio stations out there that oh, yeah. are looking for stuff like this too, because it's unique and it's a, it's a big deal to be able to sit down and talk to the, the, the writer of the song, let him introduce it and then play it. So that may be another Avenue to go. Yeah. I've done some of that. Uh, one of them uh, it's, it's part of some group on the internet and I signed up with, the college radio stations and I had to pay like, I don't know, 40 or 50 bucks for maybe six weeks of promotion uh -huh. on 
L.A. It was in L.A. because they had uh, Chicago. I think it was Chicago, New York and L.A. and maybe Atlanta were four of the markets where the colleges would uh, play independent uh, unknown artists. And so I paid to have that done. I hate the, <laughs> to be paying, but, you know, if you got to do it, you got to do it. And why isn't that payola? Yeah, well, you're right. I didn't think of that. You're pay it's pay to play. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's true. And they and also a part of that, they won't pay royalties. That's odd. But again, yeah. they want it, they oh. want something for nothing, but they want you to pay for the service. That's interesting. Yeah. And uh, again, it's college, so it's education also. Maybe that's uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I work college radio. I don't know how don't educational it was. <laughs> anyway, hey Sean, thank you very much. Or Ray, thank you very much. I really appreciate Sean it. Is good for now. <laughs> I, no, I, I mean, I, I really had a nice time and, and talking about the days in radio and, and what you're doing in music now and, and everything else. It this was a pleasure. And the next one or anything you have coming up, let me know. Because again, I'll be more than happy to share it. Luckily, I do have an outlet that I can play it, and um, and 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 my boss says it's okay to do it, so we're in good shape. Plus, plus, my boss wants to go to lunch with you. He's he keeps telling me that he's going to get in touch with you so you guys can go. Well, he out. has, he has, and I said yes, we're going to do this as soon as I can right. find out on my calendar when I'm not going to a doctor or I'm not taking somebody to a doctor. Uh, but, uh, I thank you and I really appreciate the, uh, the conversation and, uh, talking to me and, uh, as I always end my shows with stay warm, be cool, keep the beat, let, let your love light shine, respect thyself and everyone else. Well, thank you very much. It was a, a pleasure and you are a, a legend in the industry. You may not think so, but trust me, you are because, your name has come up in conversation with people when I mentioned that I have spoken to you before and they go, you mean, and I said, yes, that's who it is. And, and again, oh. for someone who is 80 years old, you look amazing. I mean, honestly, oh, you don't look over 50. Uh, I feel a little more than that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm 55 and I feel like I'm 80. So anyhow. Well, thank you. Thank you again so much. I appreciate it. Well, thank you, and you have a great rest of your day. You too. Bye-bye. Hey, a big thank you goes out to Ray Gilmore for joining me today as we talked about the days of Wibbage Radio, WIBG in Philadelphia. Not only did we talk to Ray about that, we also talked to him about his name change when he became Sean Casey at WOR in New York. We also talked to him about the Sean Casey experience and their new song, I May Be 80. And we're going to be sharing that with you as we leave today. So thank you very much for joining me. And we'll talk to you next time here on One on One with Bill Alexander. You guys have a great one. And here's the Sean Casey experience. I may be 80.
survived the 60s, made it to now, frequently blundering, wondering how. Motown, Beatles, Stones, and now, Camelot, no wave of call. I may be 80. Decades pass, more war and pain, culture mores slowly change. Could what's been wrong soon be right? Could hopes and dreams be in sight? Listening to One on One with Bill Alexander. One on One with Bill Alexander is a million dollar baby production. For more information, go to BillAlexander.net. When you look into Discover Student Loans, what you see might surprise you. We can help cover your college costs, don't charge you fees, and give you cash rewards for good grades. Ready to apply? Visit DiscoverStudentLoans.com. Limitations apply. Introducing the new three-for-one bundle from Xfinity. Save big on unlimited internet and streaming when you add Xfinity Mobile. Go to Xfinity.com slash three-for-one, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit an Xfinity store today. Limited time offer, restrictions apply.